This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Has Premier Doug Ford launched an unofficial campaign to unseat Prime Minister Justin Trudeau by publicly backing the federal conservatives? That is the question for this second segment of Fight Back. Start calling 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You have likely heard the news that Doug Ford is hosting the federal conservative leader Andrew Scheer this afternoon at Queen's Park. Some are saying it is seen as a way of cementing an alliance against the Trudeau Liberals, and it's the carbon tax plan that is being used as the catalyst to get this movement going. We will begin the conversation with Peter Tabbins, the Ontario NDP's critic for energy and climate change. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much, Jane. How big of a role is the anti-carbon tax sentiment taking in the Premier's position against Justin Trudeau? Well, it seems to be a big part of his, his strategy. I mean, it's amazing to me. He actually chose that we would have the carbon tax here in Ontario. We had cap and trade in place before he was elected, uh, and that would have been uh, putting a, a much smaller price on people's carbon spending. Uh, he chose to go with the Liberal plan, uh, which he says himself is going to cost Ontarians far more. It's amazing to me that his political ambitions... Uh, to go after the federal liberals really are much bigger than his concern about looking after people here in Ontario. Explain that for us further, what you're saying there. He decided to go with the liberal plan. Well, if the carbon, if the cap-and-trade program had been left in place, right. then Ontario families would be paying less to deal with climate change. But he decided to cancel that, and so we're going to be paying more as part of this liberal carbon tax. Uh, he didn't have to go with the Liberal plan, but I think what he wanted to do is stir people up. So instead of protecting Ontarians, looking after us, making sure we control uh, the funds that we raise, uh, he decided to go in another direction. And on top of that, he's throwing away $30 million in a court action against the federal government on the constitutionality of the carbon tax. Well, that... <laughs> The Premier of Manitoba actually spent a few dollars to find out whether or not such a case could be successful. Uh, He found out that it wouldn't be successful, that the feds have that constitutional power. Uh, But Ford doesn't really care. He's, again, much more interested in his political goals and his political well-being than the people of Ontario. And for a rebuttal here in just a, a couple of minutes, we will get to Conservative Progressive Conservative MPP Stephen Lecce. Uh, but for the moment, we have Peter Tabbins with us uh, from the official opposition. Uh, let's let's talk about Doug Ford's position with regards to climate change. And we're hearing from the Environment Minister that uh, the PCs will unveil their own plan uh, if Andrew Horvath had won, um, which is not the case. But what what is the plan by the official opposition? What what is the most responsible way to deal with climate change and and, and putting a price on pollution? Well, we think that a cap-and-trade program as part of a larger climate plan would make a lot of sense. I don't think that putting a price on carbon is the be-all and end-all. It's just one of the tools. Uh, but helping people reduce their energy costs, 
investing in them, in their homes, investing in transportation, investing in businesses so that they can cut their energy use, cut their use of natural gas and oil and, ga- and regular uh, automotive gas so that they have more money in their pockets and they're putting out less pollution. That's the way we think we have to go. A cap-and-trade program would put a big chunk of the burden on the big polluters. Uh, they would have to pay to uh, allow them to continue putting air pollution in the air. Our expectation is they would reduce that over time. But in the meanwhile, uh, they would be putting money into the system that we would be using to help people cut their energy costs. We think that makes the most sense, and it's probably going to give us the fastest turnaround, and we're going to need a very fast one to deal with climate change. Peter, I think that Ontarians and Canadians are uh, collectively a bit confused about this whole issue and, and not exactly sure what we should believe and, and the best way about going and doing it. Uh, is there a global example that you can point to where it's been successful? Well, I can say that in the UK, in Britain, they, they have uh, a climate or a carbon budget. They set up a program. They're reducing emissions. Uh, they're part of the emission trading system or the cap-and-trade system for all of Europe. California has a cap-and-trade system. They've seen substantial reduction in their greenhouse pollution. And again, as we propose here in Ontario, they recycle the money from cap-and-trade, invest in people's homes and businesses to reduce their energy consumption. That seems to be a very viable plan. In fact, California, they're, they're way ahead of the targets they had set initially. So for us, us in Ontario to abandon that, uh, put higher price on the back of families, give the federal government control of our climate action, makes no sense at all, unless you're Doug Ford and your real goal is to go after the federal government. Okay, well, that is the perfect opportunity to bring in an MPP from the Progressive Conservatives. Uh, Peter Tabins, thank you for your time today. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much, Deb. Appreciate it a lot. Peter Tabins, Ontario's NDP critic for Energy and Climate. Let's go to Stephen Lecce, Parliamentary Assistant to Premier Doug Ford and the PC MPP for King Vaughan. Welcome, Stephen. How are you? Good. I, presumably you heard uh, what Peter Tabins said there, uh, so I'll give you the stage. Well, thank you very much. Look, I mean, we are absolutely committed to opposing any form of hiking taxes, really, or opposing all forms of increases of costs on families. We believe that raising prices on middle-income and low-income families, on fixed-income seniors, on young people, is not an environmental policy. It's a revenue, it's a solution to bring in or a mechanism to bring in more revenue for the state. And we need to call this what it is. Justin Trudeau does not have a mandate to increase taxes recklessly on what he calls polluters, what I call commuters, in the province of Ontario. Look, many people in the GTA and suburbs and remote parts of the country in small towns, we have to drive. We drive our kids to school, we drive our small businesses, we drive to get our products to market, we drive to get to work. I mean, this is a condemnation on anyone who uses home heating, on natural gas, on electricity, every single thing. Now, Mr. Tavins, who I just heard, said, you know, uh, that, you know, his option was better. His option would have saved money. What Mr. Tavins didn't mention to you is that the NDP, the, the elected members of their party, have vigorously campaigned for the highest carbon tax in the history of the world, $150 carbon tax. I'm not making this up, ma'am. You can Google this. This is demonstrable. But the fact is the highest carbon tax in the world, which would penalize every single person. We're talking about thousands of dollars and jo- many jobs killed. Our position is clear. We are going to stand up against the federal government who is going outside their jurisdiction to raise taxes on working people. 
And while we appreciate that, you know, the Prime Minister made this decision, it's, I suppose, you know, this, he feels passionate about it, but we feel absolutely determined to defend the provincial interests against so that working people in Ontario uh, have to have increased cost of electricity when hydro rates in Ontario are already out of control. We're not going to allow that to happen. So, yes, we're going to fight it. And we're prepared to go all the way to the Supreme Court if required, because we do not believe that raising taxes on middle-income people, low-income folks, on commuters, on small businesses is an environmental solution. It simply is not. And, and, and if I could just contextualize why we feel vigorously, because this is about our competitiveness as an economy. This is not an abstraction. I really do believe if we continue to raise taxes and make our businesses small and large, uncompetitive vis-a-vis our trading partners in the United States or even Quebec or other provinces in Canada, industry will flow outbound. And the data from Statistics Canada is compelling. Since the Liberals were elected federally, we've seen U.S. investment increase by 66%, while U.S. investment in Canada has plummeted by 52%, meaning investment is flowing south, and it's quite clear. They're slashing taxes, regulations, red, red tape, and we're doing the opposite. So we have to get on track. That's why we've created the Open for uh, Business legislation, our act, that's going to help unleash the economic potential and get people working in this province. Okay, you mentioned that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has gone outside of his jurisdiction by getting involved in the finances uh, of Ontarians with regards to this carbon tax. So how do you position what Premier Doug Ford is doing then? Many would say that he is going outside his jurisdiction in fighting Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Well, what, the, what our premier is doing is demonstrating national leadership to build a consensus to oppose higher taxes. If, and, you know, in, in, in our confederation, it requires premiers to work with other premiers, like-minded premiers, sometimes not even like-minded premiers. My goodness, the New Democrats in Alberta have rejected the federal liberals' uh, environmental plan, at least for the interim period. Yeah, right, for the interim, back. yes. Yes, but they have. I mean, we can't, like, that's significant. My goodness, these are federal NDP, even they have turned their backs on this plan, at least at the time being. I mean, there is a consensus brewing. It's not just amongst Conservatives. We've seen this from Atlanta, Canada, the most recent in New Brunswick. We're seeing this right across the province, Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, now Manitoba, who used to have a carbon tax, but this Prime Minister was so inflexible, so dogmatic, so ideological, so determined to make life unaffordable, that even the Progressive Conservative Party of Manitoba who had a carbon tax, had to reverse course and say, we're not going to do this. This is not right. This is unacceptable. Taxpayers shouldn't be born in those costs. So, yes, the premier, I think, is demonstrating good national leadership and working across party lines and across the province, coast to coast to coast, to stand up against higher taxes. And the prime minister, you know, I think must appreciate that the majority of the provinces do not want this. This is not in the interests of our economy, nor is it in the interests of our ecology. We do believe that raising taxes on the people that this tax targets... Well, let's be fair, it's not the majority of provinces. At the moment, it's just four provinces. So we have to be fair about that. There are ten provinces Uh, and three territories. Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Ontario oppose a carbon tax. Oppose the carbon tax. But we're talking about three territories and ten provinces, so it's not more than half. Oh, I said provinces. I didn't include the territories. Okay, fair enough. enough. Manitoba, PI, New Brunswick, and Ontario are a majority of provinces, and they do oppose this tax. That's a factual statement. Okay, Stephen Lecce, I thank you for your rebuttal. It wouldn't, it would not make sense to have this conversation without the Green Party leader, Mike Schreiner. He is coming up next here on Zoomer Radio, and your calls are also welcome. We'll get to the phones after the break. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is under the weather. We hope she gets well soon. Thank you for joining us. We are talking about Premier Doug Ford's alliance with the federal conservatives. He is hosting conservative leader Andrew Scheer today at Queen's Park this afternoon. And the carbon tax is, is what they are using in terms of unifying their position against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ahead of a year ahead of the next federal election. So what do you think about that? How do you feel about Doug Ford uh, entering into the federal political foray using his anti-carbon tax uh, sentiment to do so? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And I promise I'll get to the calls. We've got Mike Schreiner on the line, Green Party leader, MPP for Guelph. I, I heard you say yesterday, Mike, and thank you for joining us, that Doug okay. Ford's position is BS. Can you explain that for the Zoomer radio audience? Well, first of all, it's completely financially irresponsible for this premier to waste our hard-earned tax dollars on a politically motivated lawsuit against the federal government that he has no chance of winning. Secondly, the premier keeps calling it a job-killing carbon tax. Well, here's the bottom line. The provinces with the five best-performing economies in Canada have a price on pollution. The states in the U.S. that are performing best economically have a price on pollution, including California, which met its greenhouse gas emission targets ahead of time and has one of the top-performing economies in the world. If you look at Europe, the best-performing economies have a price on pollution. And then finally, the fact that he says it's going to hit people in the pocketbook, it's just not true. The financial accountability officer has shown that if you put a price on pollution, return the money back to the people of Ontario, 80% of people, especially hardworking people with modest and middle incomes, will actually have more money in their pocket than, than they'll pay in the carbon fee, uh, which helps them with the transition to a low-carbon economy. Uh, and even even Stephen Harper's former uh, chief policy advisor has produced a study showing that people will come out ahead if you put a price on pollution and return all the money back to people. So most of the rhetoric that the premier's using just isn't based in fact or evidence. So if you were advising Premier Doug Ford, and, and I doubt that he's listening very much to you these days, uh, what would if you had an audience with him, a one-on-one meeting with him, and I mean this quite ser- sincerely yeah. and seriously, uh, how would you try to convince him otherwise than what he's been saying? Well, I would do it in the way I, I have with the environment minister and how I tried to in question period the other day is once upon a time, conservatives believed in markets. They believed that markets could help us solve problems. All pollution pricing is is a low-cost, efficient way of using market signals to create the incentives for people and businesses to reduce pollution. The more energy you save, the less you pollute, the more money ends up in your pocket. That's how we create the innovation, incentivize the entrepreneurs to create businesses and jobs. That's how we embrace the fastest-growing sector of the global economy, which is the clean economy, a $26 trillion economic opportunity. So if we use the magic of the marketplace, which conservatives used to believe in, we can um, create jobs, a win for the economy. We can reduce pollution, a win for our environment, communities, human health, life on earth. Uh, 
and we can do it in a way that is is con- completely consistent with conservative ideology, and it's the lowest cost, most efficient way of solving the climate crisis. So it just seems like a win-win-win, especially if it's done as a revenue-neutral carbon fee and dividend program. Can you give us some specific examples? I mean, you mentioned uh, the f- five of the provinces that have a carbon tax are the best performing mm. in the country. Yeah, so look at British Columbia. When they brought in a carbon tax, and they use that to lower business and income taxes, so actually British Columbia has some of the lowest business and income taxes in the country because of their carbon tax, Uh, pollution, greenhouse gas emissions went down by 16%, and British Columbia had, from a GDP level, the best-performing economy in Canada. Uh, California, which is a partner with Ontario in the cap-and-trade program, and I have some concerns about cap-and-trade, to be honest with you, but that's how they've priced pollution. They've already hit their 2021 emission targets um, early, and they have one of the best-performing economies in in the world, not just in the United States, but in in the world right now. So it's just BS to say that uh, somehow putting a price on pollution is bad for the economy uh, and will cost jobs, because that isn't what the evidence is showing. And then that's, I remember when you came in here to the Zoomerplex after winning the election, uh, that was a big part of your campaign, was that a green, a green economy is a strong economy. I do remember you specifically saying that. Absolutely, Jane. I mean, my home hiding of Guelph, Guelph has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country. It's considered one of the best places in Canada to invest and grow a business and to buy a house. It also happens to be um, Ontario's clean tech leader, whether it's, you know, the fact we have the largest solar manufacturer in, in the country, the fact we have the largest geothermal distributor, uh, the fact that, you know, the, the car dealership that sells the most electric vehicles are in Guelph, the fact that we do food innovation, uh, water conservation innovation, like Guelph has completely embraced the clean economy. And, it, and we have one of the best performing economies in Ontario and across the country. Mike Schreiner, thank you for your time. I know you have to go. Absolutely, Jane. Anytime. Green Party leader Mike Schreiner, MPP for Guelph. Now we'll go to Michael Tobe. Uh, he is a political strategist, analyst, former scriptwriter, speechwriter to our former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Michael, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Jane. How much of this, uh, what what Premier Doug Ford is doing, is political maneuvering versus a real belief and commitment against a climate tax? Well, I mean, in fairness, everything is political maneuvering. That's how parties operate, and that's how governments operate. But no, I mean, a lot of what he is saying is actually, you know, aside from what Mike Schreiner was speaking about just or just before me, and I know Mike, he's an old sparring partner from other radio stations and a very nice guy. Mike, obviously, is Green Party of Ontario leader, has a particular agenda and is looking at the environment in one way, but he's actually wrong at the way he's sort of suggesting, for example, A, that conservatives don't look at the free market the same way they used to. Some of us do, believe it or not. And secondly, to use the fact that it actually would benefit the free market and society to have a carbon tax. It's funny, I actually just wrote about part of this uh, in the Washington Post, which was just published earlier today. And very briefly, not to get into you know, the, the weeds too much, Besides the fact that conservatives are opposed to any sort of a tax hike and recognize that increased taxes are not beneficial to the individual consumer and the economy, it's nice for people to say that a carbon tax is revenue neutral, but it's not. Once you take something away, once you take a tax, 
you can then not return it in any way, shape, and form differently, or you can't earmark it differently. It's interesting that Mike Schreiner brought up the uh, supposedly revenue-neutral carbon tax in B.C., because in my piece, one of the things I quote from is whether people like the organization or not, the Fraser Institute actually looked at the carbon tax back in 2017, last year, and sort of discovered basically through a lot of series of shuffling and so forth, the so-called savings that were supposed to happen weren't happening at all. And just to use a very direct quote from me, uh, the provincial government clearly used smoke and mirrors to claim revenue neutrality when, in fact, it, and this is a quote from the Fraser Institute piece, was no longer solely relying on new tax measures to offset the carbon tax revenue and instead began using pre-existing tax reductions in its revenue neutral calculation, unquote. And that was in year one, Jade. Year one, when it was supposed to be effectively operating. So there really is no such thing as a revenue-neutral tax or a revenue-neutral carbon tax. The third point, which I think is the most important one that Mike, did, uh, Mike Schreiner and many other supporters of a carbon tax don't address, is that Canada, in terms of its global output, is, basically puts out 1.6% of the world's carbon emissions which means that 98.4% are brought out by other countries, including the world's biggest polluters, which will be among them China and Russia. The world's biggest polluters are not doing anything in terms of a carbon tax. Mm -hmm. They're not taxing their population more. They're not changing their strategy. They're not tackling it at all. Let's, for argument's sake, say if we did introduce a carbon tax and that this battle between the some of the provinces and Justin Trudeau goes the Ottawa's way, let's hypothetically say that, and we are able to reduce our total carbon emission count, which would take a lot of time, over several years from 1.6 to 1.2%, or basically a 0.4% decrease. Do you think that even makes the slightest dent, the slightest dent, in carbon emissions worldwide? It doesn't at all. It is absolutely nothing. But what so about, but what about it being... On side, it's not going to yeah. work. What about it being, as Justin Trudeau said, our moral imperative to do so? Good Lord. I mean, if that's the way politics is run, God help us for the rest of this century and going on. It's not about moral authority. It's about what makes sense and what works realistically in a society. It's not, there's nothing wrong with having morals. We all have morals. I have morals. You do. The listeners do. And obviously, Mr. Trudeau does as well. And certainly, a lot of the things that we propose are things that we believe in and things that we think will benefit society. There is nothing no literature, nothing I have ever found that shows that a carbon tax would benefit society other than adding to the tax burden of the average taxpayer. Keeping so, in mind, uh, Michael, we only have a minute left. Uh, sure. uh, where are we going with this? Where are we going to end up with this? Well, in a minute, very quickly, I, I think basically <laughs> we're heading to court is where we're heading. Okay. Scott Moe of Saskatchewan and Doug Ford of Ontario are going to go to court. I'm sure they will be joined by other premiers, by the way, who also oppose it, which includes Brian Pallister now of Manitoba, the PEI premier, who is a liberal, uh, Wade McLaughlin, he opposes it, and Jason Kenney, if he wins next year's uh, provincial election in Alberta, also opposes it. So you'll have half or more of the provinces going against uh, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, next year, possibly in a court battle or just a political battle, when an election is coming, because as we know, the next federal election is next year. Maybe Justin Trudeau and the Liberals should actually start to reconsider their political strategy on the carbon tax, because they may find that this thing is not actually a winner, but a loser at the ballot box. Always fascinating. Michael Tobe, thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Public affairs analyst, political commentator, Michael Tobe. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.